it's great to be with you today and I'm really excited that we are going to be concluding our series on Habakkuk and for the last few weeks we've been looking at a prophetic response to crisis and in the first week Andrew Wilson looked at the response of faith and how we as Christians can have the confidence in a faithful God in the midst of difficult times and troubles. And then last week, we looked at the response of awe in which God really wanted to bring down the idols in our life and allow us to see the majesty of God and have this awe-filled sense of worship before our Heavenly Father. And today we're going to be finishing this series and we're going to be looking at a response of joy. And this, this final passage of Habakkuk in chapter 3, it's, it's the one where Habakkuk is praying, he's interceding for the people, he's, he's standing in the gap, which is a common feature in the life and the work of a prophet. And he's really seeking God because he's after mercy, the mercy of God. And what we do see in this passage, which we're going to look at in a moment, is that we see Habakkuk reflecting back on the salvation that God brings to his people. And he really wants to look at God's mighty works that he has already done because that for him is what inspires the confidence that God will come through for the people once again. He is desperate in this sense to recall back to God the terrifying but also the wonderful works of God because he really wants to be confident in God, the saving and the delivering God. And finally, this prophet, as we will see, who begins his message and his prayer with a sense of fear and a sense of trembling, he concludes his prayer with joy. He concludes as he sees the power of God. He sees the work of his wonderful hands and he is overwhelmed with a sense of joy. And so what we are looking at today is how we can encounter a wellspring of joy in the midst of a difficult time that we are walking through as a people. If, you're, if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Habakkuk chapter 3. We're going to be reading the whole chapter, but it will also come up on the screen as well. And we're going to read the word of God. A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet. Lord, I have heard your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Taman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and his praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise. Rays flashed from his hands where his power was hidden. Plague went before him. Pestilence followed his steps. He stood and the earth shook. He looked and made the nations tremble. And ancient mountains crumbled and the age-old hills collapsed, but he marches on forever. I saw the tents of Christian distressed, dwelling of Midian in anguish. Were you angry with the rivers, Lord? Was the wrath against the streams, did you rage against the sea when you rode on horses and your chariots to victory? You uncovered your bow, you called for many arrows, you split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and rough torrents of water swept by the deep roared and lifted its waves on high. Sun and moon stood still in the heavens at the glint of your flying arrows, at the lightning of your flashing spear. In wrath, you strode through the earth. In anger, you threshed the nations. You came out to deliver your people to save your anointed one. You crushed the leader of the lands of wickedness. You stripped him from head to foot. With his own spear, you pierced his head with, when his warriors stormed out to scatter us, gloating as though about to devour the wretched who were in hiding. You trampled the sea with your horses, churning the great waters. I heard, my heart pounded, my lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. And yet, 
I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my saviour. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. This is the word of God. Now, I know what many of you are thinking. Many of you are thinking, how can you turn to joy when we've had our lives in many ways turned literally upside down where there is widespread uncertainty? Some of us are homeschooling, struggling, trying to make ends meet and still struggling, dealing with poor mental health and also struggling. Been told that we may not be able to sit GCSEs and A-levels. There's so much uncertainty. Even many of us are grieving loss and still struggling. And we all probably have a sense of displacement and uncertainty at this moment. But what I'd probably say is we probably do well to avoid any sort of blind optimism that is not grounded in reality. Because the reality is that things are hard. Things are difficult. We haven't moved through this lockdown just yet. It is tiring. It is frustrated frustrating and I could go on but instead like Habakkuk I'm going to get back to the word of God and look at how when things remain chaotic unexplainable and difficult we can still find joy and so the the prophet's passionate prayer it doesn't begin with him coming to God with a shopping list of things that he needs or that he desires or even that he wants but he recalls back to God his mighty works and he fears him that's verse 2 In Proverbs 9, we know that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. So we can say Habakkuk was a wise man in that sense. And he's humbly coming before God and he's acknowledging his majesty, acknowledging his previous works, acknowledging his power and the fact that he has promised to save his people. And I guess Habakkuk recalls this back to God because he he accurately perceives, he understands that God is angry with the injustice. He knows God is angry with the idolatry that has been seen. And he asks God, in your wrath, please, can you remember mercy? And like Habakkuk, many of us can probably recall times in our lives where we've looked back to the scripture in a difficult time. We have reflected on our own lives and the way that God has come through for us. And that's given us strength and that's given us hope. The passage of scripture that I love in Hebrews, and it says that they got over by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and that for us is a massive encouragement because it tells us two things firstly that we can put our hope in Jesus that he has already won the victory for us but also the second is that there is something about the collective testimony of the people of God where we can recall and look back to what God has already done in our own lives and that will give us confidence and encouragement that what God has done in the past he will be able to do it again And I guess in difficult times, some of us need to be reminded of the goodness of God and what he's already done for us. There's probably some of us out here that need to be reminded of the prophecies that God has already spoken over our lives. Maybe some of them we've left on the shelf. We need to revisit and recall and bring back to memory what God has promised that he would do in us and through us and for us. And some of us probably in 2021, if not all of us, need to get back into the word and soak ourselves in the truth of the scripture. Revisit the redemptive story of God and how he has promised to be faithful to rescue us. 
And, and that will help us to remember the God in which we serve. So as we look back and remember all that God has already done, what Habakkuk does, which is of real importance as well, is that he wants to remind us of the attributes of God, of the person of God. And he does this in verses three to six. He references God coming from Mount Peran and from Teman. He wants to reference the Exodus story and how God has saved and rescued his people. A central story. He references Deuteronomy 33, two in there. And so maybe as we look back in scripture and indeed in our own lives, let us remember the deliverance that God has brought for us. We've all got a story. And I know for myself that I can recall the time that God has bring, brought peace to storms in my own life. And I'm sure he's done the same for you. Well, interesting thing with Habakkuk is that he has a very realistic understanding and picture of God. Although he's asking for God to step in, which we notice, he's also reminding and recalling the fact that God has this element of fury and anger in which he's going to bring about the salvation for his people. In verse 16 shows the terror of the prophet, but he is certain of justice. He's certain of the goodness of God. He makes no mistake about that. But I guess it also links to something that is more challenging for us. We know from previous weeks that the Babylonians are coming, that in God's sovereignty, he's using them to judge the people, to bring about justice for their wickedness, for their idolatry. But in verse 16, the prophet says this, and I'll read, that he will wait quietly for the day of trouble to come upon the people who will invade us. So what is the prophet certain of here? He is certain and he knows that the day of redemption is definitely coming. That vindication will come. God will come through for the people. And a meditation for us as a family has been Psalms 46. And we've looked at the last passage of that where it says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted among the earth. And I guess that links in so powerfully to what Habakkuk is saying, because as we just read verse 16, towards the last part of verse 16, he waits patiently for the day of calamity to come to the nation that is invading his people. And so what is he really saying here? He is saying that he is confident again. He is certain that God will come through. And because of such certainty, he can wait patiently. He can wait even though just before that we heard that his heart has pounded, that his lips had quivered at the sound, that decay has crept into his bones. You can see the kind of the figurative words that he's using to describe his current situation, how he's feeling, that his, his legs which are holding him up are trembling before the Lord. But there is a sense of peace that kind of juxtaposes that comes right after a sense of peace, a sense of calm. And the, and the psalmist again reminds us of that stillness. But a key aspect of what David is doing in the Psalms when he speaks about being still is that the key word in this section is be still and know. He's speaking about a knowledge of God that isn't sort of a surface level knowledge, but a deep understanding and knowledge, which is referenced in the Psalms because straight after he says be still and know, the psalmist records that God will be exalted among the nations and he will be exalted on the earth. That is a positive truth statement, a declaration 
from God. This is not a maybe it will happen or a sort of uncertain promise, but this is a declaration of truth in which we can hang our lives on when we're talking about God. Well, of course, already we've referenced and made mention of the Babylonians who are coming and to bring justice. And we already know that the prophet is deeply troubled by this. He doesn't want this to take place. He doesn't see them as fitting people, as instruments and tools for God's redemption. And the reality is this, even as we walk through this pandemic, and in many ways, none of us get through untouched or unaffected in any way, the question is not necessarily, do we fully understand exactly what God is doing? Because many of us do not know exactly what God is doing. But the question is this, do we trust God? Do we trust in the God, as Habakkuk says, who he has heard of his report? That's exactly what the words of the scripture say, that Habakkuk has heard of the report of God and he trusts. And again, the psalmist has mentioned, he's talking about a deep knowledge of God. In 2020, for our family, like many others, it was a complicated year. It was a difficult year, something of an emotional roller coaster. I remember sort of the initial outbreak of COVID um, back in March and the subsequent lockdown that took place. And everything that took place after that in May with George Floyd and the effects throughout the whole world. And then towards the end of June, we were expecting the birth of our second child. It was a challenging and difficult time because also within that, there were multiple health issues that were really affecting family and friends and many people within the church. It was definitely a tough time. And I can truly say that our faith had been tested and not to mention not being able to gather together as the people of God, not being able to worship in the way that we usually did, to have that support, that encouragement, to be walking through. I mean, myself would have been in Catford and there would have been someone that would have reached out in prayer, reached out in encouragement. We would have been able to mutually encourage one another in the Lord. And some of that was physically missing the touch. But throughout that, I must be honest and say that there were incredible moments of joy. And I remember when we were trying to find out if I was going to be allowed to be in um, the, the room where my daughter was going to be born. And sort of every week the decision was changing. One moment I could be in there and then I couldn't. And there was a massive amount of uncertainty. It wasn't just me. There was many people, friends throughout the church. I'm sure you and many of you will remember where we had that level of uncertainty. And, and God was gracious and I was really fortunate and blessed to be able to be there throughout the whole um, birth and two hours afterwards. And it was, again, another amazing and a surreal moment of just God and his glorious goodness to us as a family. But at that time, there was also a few family members and friends. And as we kind of walking through the difficulty of this lockdown together, I remember um, a few people saying, do you know what, Jason, you, you guys are, are really blessed in a way because in the midst of all we're going through, there is a ray of light for you. There is a ray of hope. And there was a sort of expectation and excitement within our family, knowing that there'll be another child born into our family. And that really brought a sense of joy in it. And it really uplifted our spirits. Well, we, um, we named our daughter a year, which means a chosen one. And she was really a, she is really a joy to us. She has never stopped 
smiling, one of the happiest babies that we know, and it's such a blessing. I mean, she even smiles when we have our face masks on. I think that's just incredible, but I guess she's a baby that was born in the midst of lockdown, and she's got a little onesie to reflect that, um, which is <laughs> it's a joke in and of itself, but it is amazing that we can reflect on joy even in the midst of difficulty. And what that does is that leads us nicely on to the last section of this passage to in many ways the most famous part of chapter 3 of Habakkuk and I'm going to read it verses 17 through 19 now and it says this though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines and though the olive crops fail and the fields produce no food and though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I'll be joyful in the God of my Saviour. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. And in another translation, verse 19, it says, it says, God, the Lord is my strength. So this is Habakkuk's prayer. It's a powerful, faithful response of a prophet that chooses joy in the face of despair. It's a response where the prophet chooses joy when the surrounding situation has not yet changed. In fact, the surrounding situation is bleak. He's already told us that there's, there's no produce, there's no crops, there's no buds, there's no grapes on the vine. The crops have failed. That, that speaks into definitely an economic problem in that area. There's problems all around. The society has definitely been affected by what is going on. He's speaking about the day of calamity that he's already waiting for and he's foreseeing what will take place. And I'm sure we can reflect and we can always we can see one-to-one -one exactly what he's talking about as we're walking through that direct and actual thing right now. But we have seen the prophet tremble in prayer before God. But now something has transformed and something has changed. His whole being has changed. His mindset has been renewed. And he is rejoicing in the Lord. He joys in the God of his salvation. You see, this response comes from a prophet who has considered and reflected on three things. Number one, he has reminded himself of God's previous mighty works. He's recalled from Deuteronomy the salvation that God has brought. He's remembered that God has taken him out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And number two, he is reminding himself of the unrivaled power of God. And we often sing this song and, the, and, and some of the verses are this. It says, God has no rival. God has no equal. Now and forever, God, you reign. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory. Yours is the name above every name. Such is the unrivaled power of God. And third, we see echoes of the gospel here. We see the good news. What does Habakkuk say? He says this. That God goes out for the salvation of his people. So what do we have encapsulating in those three things? Firstly, that God, his works are mighty, wonderful and powerful. That God in and of himself is unrivaled and unmatched in power. But thirdly, that the power of God is directed towards the people of God in which he loves, in which he will bring redemption, 
in which he will bring salvation, in which he always rescues. A reminder of what God has already done. A realisation of God's ultimate power and a revelation of God's desire to save us, to save me, to save you. And this indeed is a precursor to praise. This allows us to enter with this, is this kind of exuberant worship and joy-filled response to God because of that fact. And so if there was ever a prophetic response to suffering and to difficulty and to chaos and to tragedy that sounded strange, yeah, it would be joy, joy in the midst of chaos. But as we reflect on what we have already just reflected on, we realise that this response isn't strange at all. Just like David, he can be still and know he can be still and know that God is, is there, he's with us, that he is going to be exalting the nations and the earth. And just like Habakkuk, he can have this peace about him. He can wait patiently for the day of calamity because he can rejoice and be sure that God is his strength. And, and, and the, last, the last few verses of this, it, it brings an image which is just outstanding and amazing. When Habakkuk speaks about God making his feet like the feet of the deer and enabling him to tread on the heights. It's a very interesting illustration that he draws to mind. When we think of a deer, um, I don't know how much you know about deers. Um, before this, I didn't really know much about them. I've probably seen them in various different parks before. But something about deers is that they are graceful, they are elegant, they are swift, and they are what we would say sure-footed. Now, the interesting thing about a deer, and I'm not a scientist, I don't know much about kind of like the biology of animals, but the thing about a deer which makes it so capable is this, that its front feet, or whatever it is, in his rear feet, when climbing, is able to position his front feet and his rear feet in exactly the same place. Now, you might be thinking, what's that got to do with anything? Well, if you think about how a human climbs, we sort of climb up onto a rock, we hold on, then we get our feet up and we start clambering. And once we've got to a position, then we have to kind of grab again, and then we have to sort of clamber and get our feet up to the top. And it's very difficult. And we don't have equal distribution of strength from our sort of upper core and our legs. We have an unequal distribution, but the deer is completely different. When it jumps up and lands with its front feet, its rear feet can, it can elevate itself to that same position which makes it able to jump up sheer cliffs and climb with grace and with ease. It can navigate from rock to rock, not having to worry about what its front feet and its back feet are doing because they can harmoniously sync and work together to maybe enable it to just go over the most difficult terrains with ease gracefully because it is known to be a sure-footed animal. And that is the image that, that the Habakkuk, the prophet, is saying that when we have our trust and our confidence and our faith in God, he allows us to go over the mountains. He allows us to get over the difficult situations in our life. He enables us by his spirit to overcome what we would have otherwise seen as insurmountable. Just like the deer who is able to look at the sheer rocks and these vertical inclines and see that is light work for a deer. That's exactly what God does for us. Now, I'm sure there's many of us here who, who need to hear that encouragement. There's probably mountains in our lives that we need to overcome. And we've looked at them and we've thought, how am I going to get through this situation? I don't know about you, but I've encountered many of them in the last year. I don't have an answer. I don't have a simplistic response to this. But I go back to God. 
And Habakkuk does that. Why? Because as we've said many times before, he knows what God has already done. He's aware of his power. He is confident of his God's desire to save his people. And then right at the very end, he has his strength found in God. Why? Because God is able to transform this lowly man who has physical and spiritual limitations to someone who can climb and move past and beyond seemingly unmovable objects because of enabling of God by his spirit. And so then, as a response in joy, we should allow the wellspring of joy to rise up within us as we look to God to bring down the obstacles that we face. When I was growing up, there was a song that we used to sing. Um, I remember there were two, um, two ladies in the church, Cheryl and Gaynor, that used to sing this wonderful song. And they were, they, they were, they were sisters and they had this kind of perfect pitch thing going on and they would really compliment each other. And they would sing the song, he would do it again. And they used to always sing this song whenever there was a time of difficulty in their own lives or just in the nation in general. It was just sort of like a, a response of, of joy and of the reminding of God that we can come back to him. That used to really encourage our hearts. And I'll read out the words of it and it says this. He'll do it again. If, you, if you'll just take a look at where you are now and where you have been, hasn't he always come through for you? He's the same now and then. Don't you know that God has not changed? You may not know how, you may not know when, but he'll do it again. The message is simple, isn't it? God will do it again. He'll come through for us and he's able to enable us to go over the most complicated and difficult situations in our lives and bring up a wellspring of joy We'll get through this because God is not slack concerning his words, but his promises are true and are faithful. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that we have a God who is all powerful, that is unrivaled in your majesty and your glory. And Lord, we're thankful because that same God, creator of heaven and earth, Lord, you have acted in history. You're a God who has always been faithful to your people. And time and time and time again, you have saved your people from the most difficult of situations. Lord God, we can think back to so many people in the Bible. Daniel, we can think of David, we can think of Esther, we can think of so many people who you've always come through for. Which shows us that you are for us, not against us. And Lord God, you want to bring us salvation. I pray for every single person, Lord, in the midst of a difficult situation. I pray that you would, Lord, turn our hearts towards joy. A joy that is really built on the foundation of truth of who you are, what you've done and what you're going to do for us. And Lord God, I pray that you would lift our hearts, lift our minds, Lord, lift our spirits and encourage us, Lord God, to seek your face where you may be found. We thank you again for the Lord Jesus Christ who is with us who in us is our hope of glory. We give you thanks today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, as we're going to respond to this, we're going to respond as we worship God, as we really celebrate and look to him because he is our rock, he is our present help, and he is the source of our joy.